Okay, everybody, welcome back once again to Tech Gumbo. I'm Haggai Davis II, along with Haggai Davis III, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Here on our show, we like to talk about the past, present, and future of all things technology in a topical, interesting, and digestible way. Without geek speak or a bunch of acronyms, we just want to talk about technology that's important to us and important to you. We also want to thank Cardinal Capital. To business owners and CEOs, hopefully you have a good relationship with your lender. Even if you do, sometimes you face other challenges, such as a need to consolidate debt, a want to level out your cash flow, or a desire to buy new equipment because you're in growth mode. If this describes you, give Cardinal Capital a call, whatever your need or challenge. They have over 4,000 lenders where they source commercial capital for business clients. Chris, Gary, and Rob at Cardinal Capital have a passion for business, and they want you to succeed. When you meet with Cardinal Capital, they get to know you and your business, so they can present your needs to lending institution that will best fit your unique situation. In short, they go after money for your business. They translate your business into what's important for lenders, and they are good at it. Depending upon what the deal is, no matter how complicated or straightforward, they will help maximize your profitability while setting your business up for success. They find the best solution for your situation, all while being fun and easy to deal with. For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net. You can also call them 225-308-3700 or email them info at cardinalcap.net. So, Mr. Davis, now that we're on to our next 250 shows of Tech Gumbo, how about we start off with some news and updates for the day? Sounds like a great way to start 251. So this will be a follow-up from last week's show. There was a, a, a plaintiff, uh, Jane Doe, was suing a Lehigh Valley hospital, compelling them to pay a ransomware. Yeah, she had her picture taken by the hospital, which she claims she did not know happened, which is its own separate issue. But pictures were stored on hospital computers. The cyber criminals issued a ransomware attack against the hospital. They then seized the picture somehow, uploaded it to an online message board, and the plaintiff has tried to sue the hospital to force them to pay the ransom to hopefully get the picture taken down from the message board. But like we said last time, that's not really how any of that works. And it looks like the judge kind of agrees with us here. That's right. The judge came back and said... I cannot compel a company to comply with an illegal act and paying ransom is illegal. The FBI has said, don't do that. So after the judge said that she withdrew her lawsuit and everything, and it really is a sad thing. It it sucks for her. Heart goes out to her that there were you know, pictures taken of her while she was you know, going through cancer treatment. Yes, like as we said last time, go after the hospital. They are the legal institution. They're the ones who you can hold accountable. She should be she should should easily win the lawsuit against them and that seems like a, a way to, you know, try and make her whole again. Hopefully she gets what she's looking for here though, but suing the hospital to try and get them to pay the ransom was just never going to work out. As as one legal expert said, the hospital has the right to pay or not to pay. It's a business decision for the hospital. And maybe that's part of her lawsuit against them is that they're not doing everything in their power in order to make the picture go away. 
I don't know, you're starting to get into the legal aspect at that point in time. But from the technical standpoint, the the ransomware, paying that ransom is such a coin flip. And whenever the federal government has issued guidelines to not pay it, you're going to have to really prove that your situation is so exceptional that you should bend that mandate from the federal government. And this just isn't that. It's and it's because it's it's a really, really difficult argument to make that a court could compel some company to do anything that is breaking the law. I mean, you just it just it's a sad situation and it looks like this has come to its its end. Speaking of coming to an end, Windows 10 has an end of life date. Yes, it is October 14th, 2025. This is something that for a long time Microsoft said would never happen. But, you know, all good things come to an end. Windows 10 has been great so far and likely will continue to be great. But I'm excited for 12. Well, and to, to be honest, Windows 10, October 14th of 2025, will be f- 10 full years of Windows 10. And prior to that, Microsoft was on a 30-month release date with new operating systems. So for them to have gone 10 years instead of the two and a half years that they were doing after XP and then 7 and 8 and 10. Vista. To go, and Vista. Yes, excuse me for forgetting Vista. Oh, geez. Had a heart <laughs> flash there. And hurt you, your you old man it. doing that. <laughs> You've forgotten it in self-preservation. <laughs> so yeah, so Windows 10, the end of life is coming up. There, there, it, it still will be around after October 14th of 25. They'll be, they'll, they'll no longer support it, and they'll go through all of those things again. But you know, because they're wanting everyone to go to Windows 11, and I have two computers. One has Windows 11, one has Windows 10, and cannot tell the difference. Yeah. The the thing which is going to get me to move is not going to get me to move to 11. It's going to get me to move to 12. This is There have been leaks and rumors, and Microsoft has yet to confirm any of them. But looking at the very large sum of money that Microsoft has dropped on OpenAI, the company their investments, their creation of their own large language model. This is pretty straight line to draw that Windows 12 is expected to have AI baked into it from the start. Oh, absolutely. Microsoft wants, they want this whole brand new operating system to be built all around the whole AI infrastructure. Having the chat GPT just as the underlying not operating system, but baked into the code so that the user interface, the you, yes, the user interface. There have been stories in the past that when Windows 12 comes out, Microsoft doesn't want you to have to use a keyboard. They don't want you to have to use a, a, a password. They want you to almost have the Star Trek experience of computer talk, you know, and then it, it just have a conversation with the computer and it gives you all the information you're looking for. I, I think that the, you still will likely need a computer for Windows 12, but I, I think that that vision is suddenly much closer than it seemed a year ago. 
you know, a year ago, I told you, oh, that's that's still science fiction. That's still, you know, a long ways away. But I don't know the having interacted with GPT four and how strong it is. And if you're going to tell me Microsoft's going to really take their time and take a couple of years to really make sure that this thing lands right, I, I, that's I still will want my keyboard for now. But I don't know, maybe in the future, I do have some machine and it's not just a tablet. It's something that there is no touch interface. It is entirely a conversational device. When you consider that less than 21% of the computers out there have upgraded to Windows 11 because there's no compelling reason, it's going to be fascinating to see how, how many people leap at Windows 12. Yes, I will. I won't be there on day one just because whenever you're doing something this radical, this new, it's going to take a little bit of time to shake out. But if it launches, if you expect it to launch sometime in 2024, I will be there by Christmas 2024. I will be on Windows 12. If you're interested in seeing what it's going to look like, you can sign up for the Microsoft Windows Insider program. And I did that when with Windows 10. I was on Windows 10 for almost a whole year before it released. It was not my primary computer because once every two weeks, sometimes three weeks, they'd send out an update and it would wipe the drive and start over. But you would see all the new things that were coming every time they added something new into it. It was really a fascinating experience. And so if you have a spare computer laying around, sign up for that insider program. Go play with it. It's a fun ride. It doesn't cost you anything. Yeah, it sounds really cool. Speaking of getting rid of passwords, Google has now jumped out with their passkey support. Yes. So we have talked for a while now about a lot of these major tech companies want passwords to die, that they are inefficient, that they are clunky. People are really bad at them. And so Microsoft, Google, and Apple have come together and they're working on pass keys as the as the way forward. So a pass key is what lets users sign into a website or to an app and unlock the device with either a fingerprint or a face scan or a screen lock pin or using an authenticator app or something that's not typing in pass at word one kind of thing. And it's going to be a whole different way of, of using your computer going forward. There's going to be some people who are going to have a, not good experiences with it because it's going to be a different kind of thing. There's Most people are going to love it, though. Oh, absolutely. The fact that you will sign into everything the way that you sign into your phone, it's so easy right now to sign into my phone. That, that swipe pattern that I have is takes half a second, and it is very unique. Or if I have the thumbprint scan or iPhone has the uh, face lock recognition system. All of those, no one complains about those because they're so easy, they're so efficient, they're so quick that what if I didn't have to generate a new password every four months that has to have eight characters and it has a special character and it has a capitalization? You just never have to worry about that ever again. You just look at your phone and your phone sends the notification to the computer, all right, let them in. That just sounds so much easier. That sounds so much better. I will look forward and likely jump on this technology as soon as it becomes available. Oh, I, I agree. I think the the pass key is an 
is such a a modern way of doing it. And you're right, everyone does this already with their smartphones now. And why not do this with our computers? The if you've got a computer that's three, four, five years old, yeah, the passkey's not going to work very well for you. You might have to upgrade and get a new computer here to use the passkeys. But once you do that, it's going to change the way we we use computers. Oh, this this very much feels like sustainable into the future. That's it's if you were to ask me, could I sit here and make a new password every six months for the rest of my life? No, probably not. At some point in time, there'll just be too many passwords on too many things. I have too many accounts across too many services. It was going to collapse under its own weight. But could I sit there and look at one device and have it unlock another? Yeah, that's that's Star Trek right there. That is the future that is, oh, okay. That is how I imagine all that working, not this clunky 1990s I type in something that's that is the old way of doing it. The passkey is the future. So looking forward to that rolling out. And so if Google's launching their passkey, look for Apple, look for Microsoft to come out with their passkeys very soon. Yeah, it's very likely that passkeys will be built natively into Windows 12. Moving along, we've certainly talked about in the past that the next major war was not going to be bombs and bullets, but ones and zeros. And here's another story going down that same set of tracks. Yeah, China has been building some cyber weapons. And the U.S. has some intelligence which got leaked, which discussed the capability of these Chinese cyber weapons to hijack enemy satellites. So you get into where you're taking over satellites, you're you're shutting down communications, you're shutting down the ability to communicate on the battlefield, and you've really, really hurt your competition. Yes, you've you've blinded them. The the fog of war returns in the 21st century. And whenever you think about how reliant we are on these devices, both in real time and for strategic planning, that if I can no longer take pictures of the area and, you know, 24, 48 hours ahead of time, start to plan, okay, we're going to take this path. We're going to do this here. We're going to do that there. If you lose that ability, you're paralyzed. And it's not just about war. If you take down the satellites and me as a business person can't communicate and can't keep my business running, you've damaged the infrastructure of the other country. And now you've really weakened us and China looks a whole lot better because the U.S. is crumbling because we can't use satellites. Oh, absolutely. That's, oh, you know, they, the U.S. just can't keep its infrastructure secure, that they're, the U.S. infrastructure is old and it's decaying and China is this rising power is very much a story that could be told in that way. And so... You know, we, we talk a lot about cybersecurity and the importance of cyber defense and all these things. And we're excited for our interview with our guests to talk about the ways in which LSU is preparing itself as a cybersecurity institution. And so this is how you combat these problems is you train the next generation of people to have these skills, to understand these things at the smallest, most technical, granular, microscopic levels. 
because that's the, the technical knowledge that you're going to need to provide this level of security. This is really, really amazing that when you break it down to ones and zeros, that that's all code is, just ones and zeros. But when you can line the ones and zeros up, when you can disable a satellite, then you're 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 on the offensive at that point. Yeah, this is cutting edge stuff, and it looks futuristic. I mean, that's exactly what this is. is it's futuristic. The future is here more and more every day. Speaking of the future, the U.S. has begun talking about six G wireless. Yes, the Biden administration has looked to gather the telecom leaders together to have talks about this, to try and begin planning what does telecom look like, because the U.S. is still the leader in this. All the, the best companies are still U.S. companies. They, their employees are based here in America. Their hardware is designed here in America. And so it, it's going to come from the American market if we take the steps to make sure it happens. And that is what the Biden administration is doing here. Which is fascinating because we haven't really completely rolled out 5G yet. I mean, it's being rolled out as fast as they can. But as soon as you put the 5G out, you have to start looking at the next generation. And when you start looking at the difference from where analog cellular went to 2G to 3G to 4G to now 5G. And when you had one cell site for every 18 miles in the analog days and now 5G, you've got maybe 1,500 feet to a half a mile of coverage. How many cell sites are you going to need for 6G? I don't know. It's going to be a lot. And also, what is going to need the additional data flow? That's what is going to be consuming that much data and be mobile? Because Right now, we really aren't pushing 5G to its limits. Most devices aren't capable of uploading or downloading that fast. The files that we move around just don't need that kind of speed. Even if you have a 4K video that you're watching on your cell phone, 5G still works for you. What is problem is 6G going to solve? How are they going to design it? You know, what's that's the questions that I have for it, because, yeah, as you were mentioning, that progression from two to three to four to five all made a lot of sense. Each one was much faster than the previous. Each one covered a smaller radius. But am I going to have to set up a 6G tower in my bedroom and need another one for the living room because it's that small of a radius? You know, what what is it really going to do here? Well, part of it is, you know, when you not have 4K, you'll have 8K video or 16K video. So the the picture is going to get that much better and that much better so you're going to have more bandwidth that it's going to need to push around because we can't just stop with 4k we've got to go to 8k because the 8k tvs are out and the 16k tvs are being planned i, I maybe but whenever you look at whenever the 1024 1080 that's 10 years old 15 years old i remember whenever youtube first started rolling that out and that became the standard it's been that way for a long time. And so, and especially whenever I'm looking at my phone, I can tell the difference between 480 and 1080 on my, or 1024 on my phone, but I don't watch a lot of 4K videos on my phone. The screen's just not big enough to capture and display that much information. Oh, I completely agree. But 
as we get more into your world of autonomous vehicles and you're going to have bigger screens, they're going to show more stuff in cars as we're moving around. We're probably going to need 6G as we're watching the Jetsons in our car going around town or tootling along to grandma's house or whatever we're going to be doing. It'll be very interesting to see what challenges does it solve? I'm excited for the future. I'm excited that the U.S. is still taking steps to make sure we are in charge of it as well. We want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed service provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers across the southeastern United States. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 180 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, program designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of business schools and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business strengths. This has become a proven formula, so proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. If you enjoyed our show today, we are here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4 p.m. And the show reruns Sundays also at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show or you'd like to hear this or previous episodes, check out our podcast. Available on almost every podcast platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music Audible, and more. When you're there, be sure to subscribe so you get notified every time we post a new episode. If you like our show or you have any suggestions, let us know on our website at www.techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.